time to screw the norms. To fit in, we often hide what's on our minds, who we really are, or who we want to be, or even what we want to do. But now you're having the right conversations. Here, we'll talk about sex, relationships, and mental health, and how they interact with each other and so many other aspects of life. Shame can't survive when we're honest and curious with each other and ourselves. It's time for your mind to scream less and for you to screw more. I'm Rachel Wright, a non-monogamous queer psychotherapist and your host. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to The Right Conversations. Today, we are having a conversation about feeling sexy and comfortable on camera with Crystal and Raj. And I'm really excited about this because, you know, I often receive feedback from people like, oh, you're so comfortable on camera. And that's true. But the second that sexy gets involved, I am like, the most awkward teenager of all time. So I'm selfishly very excited for this episode. And I think that a lot of you will get things out of this topic that you may not realize. So anyway, without any further ado, Crystal and Raj, welcome. Hello. Hi. Hi. Will you each introduce yourself before we dive into our combo today? Definitely. Crystal, you go first. <laughs> I was going to tell you to go first, but... You're so polite. I will. Um, my name's Crystal. I'm a somatic intimacy coach. I'm an intimacy director and I'm a performer. I love to act. I love to dance. I love to do improv and sing. Um, and yeah, I live in New York city and you'll often catch me at Broadway shows or eating all of the Italian food I can find. So love That's this. Yes. Wonderful. <laughs> now I want Italian food. I know. <laughs> Me too. I always want Italian food. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll go. My name is Raj Bandopadhyay. I run seriesaphotography.com. I am a personal branding photographer that, uh, based in New York City. I used to be in tech. I spent most of my career before, until my mid-30s or late 30s, actually, uh, as a software engineer and, and then a data scientist. And then I had a bit of a uh, transformation. Uh, my partner, who was my, you know, in 2017, uh, who was then my wife, came out as transgender and started the process of uh, transitioning from female to male. Wow. We're still married. And that journey, especially seeing him kind of inhabit his true body and identity and all the positive things that happened to him, kind of through that uh, made me start thinking about like, what do I need to change in my my life to, to feel true to myself? And for me, it ended up being a career transition to art and photography. And uh, along the way, I also ended up training as, an, uh, as a sex and relationship coach. Even though I don't coach actively, I use a lot of those ideas in my photography work, which is something Crystal and I are very excited to talk about today. Mm -hmm. That is, wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. And what a, what a wonderful story. And I'm so happy for your partner. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So why don't, before we get into the topic itself, how did you two connect and can you share with us how your work overlaps? Yeah, I can take that. Sure. So 
Crystal and I both trained in the same intimacy coaching system called Somatica. I did that training in 2017. And then that was in person. And during the, the pandemic, I signed up as a group leader for the for some of their mm. online trainings, so kind of like an assistant coach, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then Crystal took that training sometime, I think in 2020 or 2021. Don't quite yeah, remember. 2020 was my first time. Right. And so we met through that training and because we were both in New York City and there's a small community of people who've taken that training um, in 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 New York City. So we met through that. And then uh, the way our work overlaps is that uh, we'll talk more about this, but as as I've evolved in my photography journey, I've realized that I am very passionate about creating a safe and supportive and non-judgmental space for my clients. And I found that uh, a lot of the skills I learned in my training as a sex and relationship coach are those I can bring into the in, into a into a photo studio or a photo session. But then it's hard for me also to just do all of that on my own. And when I met Crystal, I was like, "Hey, you are trained in this system, but you're also a performer and an intimacy coach, uh, um, intimacy director. Uh, so let's let's put our skills together and see what we can do for our clients." So cool. So cool. So how long have you been working together now? I think over a year at this point. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. So how, what, God, where do I even want to begin with this? What typically do you notice? And Crystal, maybe you can take this one at first. And then Raj, if you want to add to that, what are some of the things that come up for people around photography because i'm guessing that there's a parallel between the insecurities or inner self-talk that comes up during sex as with being photographed 100 percent. it's thank you so much for asking that question it's so much of what raj and i want to talk about and um so i actually want to kind of answer that question with asking you a question rachel because i was looking at your Instagram. And uh, we saw a post that you posted a a couple months ago about a photo shoot you did Mm -hmm. where your anxiety and shame monster Ursula came up. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And we want to talk about Ursula. Um, And, you know, this post, you did it so vulnerably and so beautifully. And you talked about weight gain during COVID. And, you know, as a woman who also gained weight during COVID, I can be with you in that and super empathize Mm -hmm. with you around that. It is still with me on my body. And, learning to live in a new post COVID body, um, post pandemic body, I guess. But I want to ask you like during that photo shoot, you know, you talked a little bit about what came up, but what was that experience like being in front of the camera with this body after weight gain and after a pandemic and what was coming up for you? Oh, thank, thank you for asking that. And also I love when this is turned around on me and I have no idea what's coming. Um, (laughs) what came up for me you know, the, the person who was doing my shoot, his name's Michael Kushner. And, um, I adore him so much and he was able to talk not just to me, but to Ursula. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, in that way was then able to acknowledge that she was there and didn't have to stuff away the insecurity, the shame, the negative self-talk, I was able to honor her and 
really like almost internally, like, Hey, I I appreciate you. And I know that you're trying to keep me safe and there's not space for you here today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so really just instead of like, Oh, I shouldn't be feeling this. Oh, come on. You know? And at first it was that right. It's like, I preach body acceptance and body positivity. I oppose diet culture and I didn't feel good in my body. And those two things can exist at the same time, but it's an and that can feel very uncomfortable. Um, So I think just, you know, acknowledging that that was there and being able to talk to her and nurture her because at the end of the day, I know that she is a scared little kid, not a 80 year old witch under the sea. That's an octopus, you know, (laughs) (laughs) even though I can feel that way in the moment, like having you with her tentacles. Yes, exactly. Um, Yeah, absolutely. So that is something that um, Raj and I have seen a lot of, and, you know, Raj and I work with primarily women. We work with primarily kind of CEO high level women who have had this one standard of beauty and one standard of acceptance, um, you know, throughout their careers where they have to meet this one standard and it's always a similar headshot and it's always similar wardrobe Mm -hmm. choices. And there's always a standard of perfection they have to meet. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's also so much fat phobia and anti-aging, right? Like we can't show this age. We can't show any weight gain. We have to position the camera in a certain way. And so throughout Raj and I designing our business approach, we've really designed our values to be like lifting the practice outside of all of that. We're very anti-fat phobia, anti, anti, anti-aging, I guess we're pro showing, you know, where the aging is. And we tell our clients, like, look, your vulnerability makes you relatable and it's better for your brand. Mm -hmm. Like vulnerability and letting go of the shoulds and letting go of all of this fat phobia and really showing what your body actually is um, going through or the state it's in or COVID weight gain. That is what your clients are coming to see. Right. Yep. And so we, we've said like shoulds are about perfectionism, which is the opposite of vulnerability, right? Love. Yeah. And like perfectionism or vulnerability is the cure for for perfectionism. And so everything you described, you know, you preach this um, body positivity, but we still feel this internally. Like we still have an Ursula right inside of us and all of, you know, Instagram and everything like that. We've Raj and I have seen it so much in our work of women, especially feeling the -hmm. pressures of this. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we try to create a container where it's like everything you're trying to hide is what your clients want to connect with. That's what they want to see. All of these pieces of you that you think are unacceptable, those are the pieces that they're going to fall in love with and feel related to. Love that so much. And it's true. It's so true. I mean, I, and that's frankly, it's part of why I share this stuff is because I know that people look at me and I know this because I've been told this like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, you must have it all figured out. Like you are miss empathy. You're the queen of empathy. And like (laughs) Crystal and Raj, I got to tell you, like literally two days ago, my partner shared something with me and I asked questions first before empathizing Mm. and they were so hurt. Yeah. Yeah. 
because I went into this analytical and, you know, we wound up talking and they were like, you're the queen of empathy and you didn't even give me an ounce. And I was like, oh shit. And you know, no one ever thinks about that. Like they're like, oh, Rachel talks about empathy all the time. Of course she's empathetic. Well, yeah, uh, hopefully most of the time, but like none of us are perfect, nor should we be or no, nor yeah. need we be. Um, so I, I love that. Yeah. And with like perfection, you know, uh, Raj can go into this a little bit more, but with perfection, you know, what are you trying to make your audience feel if all you show is perfection? Mm -hmm. What is yeah. their response going to be if, hey, I have it all together, then where does that leave them? Right. And just a quick note about how I do like somatic coaching and stuff. I always let my clients know my imperfections and where, when I'm having a hard day and what I'm coming into the session with. And we do kind of like a round of, Hey, this is where I'm starting my session. This is the emotional place I'm in starting this session, you know? So yeah, in this perfection culture, what is that telling your audience and how are they receiving your perfect perfection? And what does that do for their journey? Totally. I, I could not agree with you more. It's part of why I talk about my depression, you know, and my mental health stuff as a therapist. It's yeah. like, I don't want my clients thinking that there's something so fucked up with them. Like, no, I, yeah. I studied this and I struggle with it too. And like, that's okay. Absolutely. I've loved all your content around your journey. It, it feels really good for me. And I've actually told people to go look at your stuff because of how vulnerable oh. I appreciate that. I really do. It, it, thank you for that. Um, okay. So what, yeah, are these this like perfectionist, how do the two of you help people work through that when let's say they like are in front of you already, hmm. is there like pre-work that they can do? Do you recommend that they just kind of show up and then you work through them with it? Like, how do you do that? Raj, do you want to speak to this for the, for the work you do before the client gets to me? Yeah. So a lot of it is uh, addressing shame. Mm. So, you know, most people, because, because of all the shoulds, we, we are, you know, we are conditioned to believe that we should look a certain way. Like, you know, I hear things like, oh, I'm too old for a photo shoot or I need to lose, you know, 30 pounds or whatever before I can I can show up on camera. And those concerns often come up, uh, come up uh, right in our first conversation. Uh, it takes a little bit of work to kind of go there because sometimes people are like, oh, I don't know if I need it or I don't know if I need, you know, need photos right now. And then when you start going deeper, it's like, oh, I actually do. But I'm concerned that that I don't, you know, I'm not worthy of, of the session, of, of doing this. So one of the things I like to say, in addition to what uh, Crystal talked about, like, you know, I, I, I do a lot of de-shamifying right out there at the beginning, where talking about uh, the prevalence of fat phobia, how, how perfectionism is, is, is instilled in us by, by society. Uh, and, you know, there are entire multi-billion dollar industries that make lots of you know money from making you feel inadequate making you feel ashamed of your body and this is something we've been exposed to all our lives so making that 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 kind of kind of uh, explicit is is a big part of the shame other thing i talk about is a lot is uh how photography as a craft itself is also in also has been designed to induce that kind of 
that kind of shame in people, which is something I'm really passionate about changing. So photography has been around for about 200 years. The first official photo was taken in, in France somewhere in 1826. However, it's only been in the last 40 or 50 years that uh, it's become much more accessible. Uh, you know, there are cheap, there were cheaper cameras and then now, and now smartphones. But for the first 150 years of its lifespan, if you wanted to be a photographer, you'd have to have very expensive specialized equipment. You had to have access to a dark room and all kinds of expensive gear, which meant that for most of its lifetime, it was dominated by wealthy people. And in particularly, globally speaking, wealthy white men. Mm -hmm. So imagine what happens to a field if most of its lifetime, its standards are set by wealthy white men. Yeah. Like yeah. they have certain desires, they have certain things they like, and that is what they will perpetuate. Like this is what beautiful means. This is what is, this is what or who is worthy of photography, which is why if you look at photos from, you know, before the 1950s and stuff, you only see certain kinds of bodies in there. You don't see that many photos of like, you know, that of very diverse uh, people, like, you know, especially uh, uh, with famous people. So, so that, those kinds of standards have, even today, like, you know, they hugely influence what we consider worthy of, uh, of photography. So that's one thing. The, the other thing is that, you know, when I started learning photography, as you know, as an early photographer, I took a lot of online courses, workshops, and so on. The craft of photography itself is the way it's taught to photographers often also prioritizes certain bodies. Like we talk, we learn about mm. posing and, you know, posing needs to be a certain way. And, you know, if you, you know, you only look good if you have a certain kind of body, like, you know, right. you're young and skinny and flexible, and you can do these weird like contorted poses. But that's not how we normally express ourselves, right? What I'm right. more interested in and what I tell my clients is your audience, since you're doing branding, your audience cares about your story and how you express it with your body. They, you don't need to fit into these like weird contorted quote unquote standard poses. That's not what you need to do. It's about how you express yourself and that's what true connect leads to true connection. So a lot of my work, you know, pre-work in talking to the client is about countering these assumptions mm. and biases that have been instilled in us for over, you know, a couple of centuries about what good photos should look like and kind of tossing them out of the window. So it almost sounds like a lot of unlearning and like mm. deprogramming. Exactly. So can you tell me and everybody listening how your backgrounds in somatic coaching and intimacy direction and performance and like, like even I think you mentioned BDSM negotiation, like how all of these things help your clients and could help anybody listening? Definitely. Yeah. Um, so one of the, did you have something to add, Raj? Yeah, I wanted to start with something and then I wanted to hand it over to you. Beautiful. So, uh, so one of so you you know going back to what comes up for people in 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 photo shoots when you put a camera in their face, uh, what we started seeing is that 
there are like, you know, you 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 mentioned this, uh, Rachel, you had certain beliefs about you had Ursula come up and say some something to you, you know, that that, you know, in her evil inner voice. Uh, but what I've found, what we found is that those there are the kinds of things that come up for people can fall uh, that their inner voice brings up can fall into like four different categories of things. Uh, the first kind of limiting belief there is I'm not worthy. So there is, you know, like I'm not worthy of a photo shoot, but then sometimes below that or under that is I'm not worthy of like whatever I'm doing right now. I'm worth, not worthy of being a coach. I'm not worthy of being an entrepreneur. So there's like an imposter syndrome kind of stuff that comes up. The second thing that comes up is number two, I'm not perfect. And that's where the perfectionism, like I need to lose weight. I need to, you know, I, I am too old. Uh, the, and and that perfectionism is basically also like a, 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 a desire to close up and not be vulnerable, a fear of judgment. Mm. The third, number three, is I'm not safe. Sometimes it's about physical safety because you are in an unfamiliar space, possibly with unfamiliar people in an unfamiliar situation. But also it's about emotional safety. Like, will I be judged for, you know, doing this thing or looking like this or for my body or all of all of that? There's that fear of like, because it's, it's a vulnerable situation. If I if I do this, will will, you know, people laugh at me or whatever, like that feeling of, you know, emotional lack of emotional safety can um, can come up. And then the fourth thing is I'm not free. So the that manifests as like, oh, I need to fit myself into these boxes. I need to do these certain poses. I need to wear certain kinds of outfits. This is what it takes to look sexy. If I, if I want to look sexy, I need to like, you know, wear lingerie and do these, you know, five, you know, sexy poses. Mm -hmm. That's all. So there is this whole idea of like, you can only look sexy in a certain way. You can only look professional in a certain way. So that, that often uh, hits on people's freedom, uh, like I'm not free kind of limiting mm. beliefs. So as a sex and relationship coach and therapist, this you might notice that this often maps with the kinds of triggers that come up for people in even sexy situations. Yeah, absolutely. Like the worth wound, the freedom wound, the vulnerability wound, the safety wound that yep. uh, that hits us. In. So that's, an, that's a connection that we started recognizing. And that was part of what led to our work of like, incorporating techniques from sex and relationship coaching to address these worth wounds, perfectionism, safety, and freedom. And I'm going to pass it on to Crystal to talk about how she works with some of, you know, some of these specific wounds. Thank you for sharing that. Crystal, yeah. go for it. Yeah. So, you know, one thing that I think is really important to remind people is that, you know, if someone says, I want to be free, but I don't want to look like this, you know, or I want to be sexy, but I don't want to look like this, you know, Raj and I work really closely to define whatever these words mean for our clients and only for them alone. You know, what is your definition of freedom? And so to do that, to allow someone to be free, um, Rachel, you did an episode on this. We have to create a container. Mm -hmm. And so this is where all of the intimacy direction and coaching and BDSM comes in. So before the session, I meet with the client and we create language around, hey, if you feel overwhelmed, what do you feel comfortable signaling to me to stop the session? Mm. What is your uppermost boundary? And I always say to someone, and this is something I learned through BDSM, 
If I say, what's a boundary for you? And they say, I don't have any, I say, you have to pick something, even if it's extreme, you know, during the photo shoot, are you okay with me? Um, you know, calling all your friends and telling them you're in here. No. Okay. Well, let's start there and work our way backwards. You know, you have to have an uppermost boundary. And then that kind of gives people, oh yeah, I do have boundaries. Great. And so we do a little bit of that boundary negotiation, because once we have this container, this person is able to just be themselves and they know what is like, they know what they're expecting of themselves. They know what path we're going down and they know we're not going to ask them to do something that has nothing to do with them or their brand. And so a tool I also like to use from that I learned in an intimacy direction class. So if you imagine kind of like a bell curve and all the way to the left, it's flat. And this is the area where we're safe and we're comfortable, but we also don't grow in that area. You know, if you imagine sitting on the couch, it's very safe, but you're not growing at all. And then the bell curve starts to go up and so does our discomfort, right? And so this bell curve goes all the way up and that's a raising level of un being uncomfortable, but that's also where we can grow and learn. And then on the other side of the bell curve, it flattens out again. And on that side, it's injury, trauma, and um, pain and all of that. And so I will tell people, hey, where does this boundary feel like it's landing for you on this scale? Do you think that you're going to cause injury, pain, trauma? Because we don't grow from that. We don't ever want to go on that side of the scale. But if you're somewhere in the middle of this growth scale, can you give consent and where is your boundary? You know, and what I learned in this class was you can give consent if you're uncomfortable, but you should never give consent if you're in danger or at risk of injury or trauma. And so that makes I'll, a lot of sense, right? I'll give them this concept. So we start kind of mitigating this like uh, this anxiety in their body, you know, is this just feeling, are you feeling anxious because this is a new thing, you know, and you're, you're not sure how it's going to feel, or are you at risk of triggering something that's going to cause you pain, right? Because if we never did anything that was uncomfortable, none of us would ever have sex for the first time, you know, um, right, right. we would all, we would never try anything new. And so I give them this and we create a container, we create language and then I let them know my job is to completely attune to you during this entire session. And so I will watch their bodies. And if I kind of pick up on some body language where they're maybe signaling that they're kind of feeling uncomfortable or pulling away or retreating, I'll kind of pause and we'll do a check-in. And I remember there's been, uh, we had a photo shoot once where I felt like I was so attuned to this client, like I was in their skin with them. You know, I was like, anything that was going on with them, I was with them. And then throughout that, I use theater techniques to kind of just bring them out of their shell. We'll make funny noises. We'll do silly things just to remind them, like we're all human and I'll do it with them. I'll dance with them. I'll make weird noises with them and just use icebreakers. Um, so I'm not just asking them to dance in front of me or anything, <laughs> you know, like, okay, dance, be cute. You know, no, I'm doing it with you behind the camera. Um, and so that's how we'll create a container. And then normally things will kind of start to like um, expand out of there. And it's really beautiful and reminding them like this vulnerability is so good. And your, your following can't learn from you through perfection. They can only learn from you through your vulnerability. Like perfection doesn't teach us anything other than to feel bad about ourselves, you know? So that's the 100%. tools. hundred percent. Yeah, I love this. And it makes so, so, so much sense. 
You've probably figured this out by yourself by now, but if you own a vulva, did you know that there is a three in five chance that having penetrative sex doesn't result in an orgasm? Enter Zumio. <laughs> Zumio is a one-of-a-kind toy with the sole purpose of providing a unique, stimulating experience. And guess what? It doesn't even vibrate. It rotates with a concentrated pinpoint energy that allows you to control how and where you use it. There are four different models specifically designed for your personal intensity preferences. And Zumio is great for vulva mapping and exploring the rest of your body, whether that is solo or with a partner. Check out www.myzumio.com slash Rachel, that's R-A-C-H-E-L, for a special discount for the Right Conversations listeners and take control of your orgasms today. What is, when you use these skills, what are some of the most common hurdles that people run into? Mm, um, I think one of the biggest ones, because we worked with, you know, um, high level CEOs is just an inability to kind of unfurl, you know, and this, you know, the corporate world can be very buttoned and very rigid and very tight and those expectations to be a certain way. And so when I ask people to kind of release, it might take a few times, but we had a client, you know, I told her to um, do horse lips, which is like pushing lips or pushing air out of your lips to make them trill. Mm -hmm. Right. And once she did it a few times, every time before Raja put the camera on her, she'd be like, wait, I need my horse lips. I need my horse lips, you know? (laughs) So getting her to a place where she was finally able to unfurl, but that's one thing I really see is kind of like unbuttoning the top button, you know, energetically. Yeah. Yeah. To follow up on that, uh, I think uh, I wanted to go back to the BDSM thing for a bit, uh, Rachel. And one of the things that, you know, I learned in the world of BDSM is how creating the safe container, whether it's through consent and, uh, you know, negotiating and the yes, no, maybe less and all of the the safe words, all of the tools that BDSM uh, communities have developed. When you create those safe containers, you get to be more spontaneous and playful within those containers. And that's exactly what we observe in photo shoots. Like when you create that degree of safety through, uh, you know, all of the pre-work on the negotiation and the and the work that Crystal does in talking to the client one-on-one and so on, uh, we we end up seeing that the clients, like they start relaxing because they know that they are taken care of and, uh, and then the, their playful side and spontaneous side starts emerging, just coming out. Uh, one thing that I always uh, tell them uh, before introducing them to Crystal is that even though Crystal is my assistant and creative director in theory, mm-hmm. she is there as an advocate for you. That is her primary job, you, the client. Like She is there for to take care of you and, you know, you are so that that itself also, especially for my female clients that feel that creates an extra layer of safety to have somebody who's a woman and like take there to take care of them explicitly. That feels like a a safe thing for uh, for them. This I love this so much. So when you give your clients this container. And when you utilize these tools between the two of you, 
It's mm-hmm. these somatic tools, the intimacy direction tools, theater, BDSM, you create non-judgmental, it, like you're empowering. Mm-hmm. What do you see happen? What is the transformation in people? Yeah. Ooh, that, that question gave me chills all over my body. <laughs> because I'm go for it. Oh, it just, it just makes me like when people ask questions like that, it just makes me so happy we're doing this fucking work. Um, you know, I just, for me, I just really love seeing the moment where, you know, a woman who's maybe in her forties or fifties realize that she doesn't have to hold it all up in this moment, even if it's just like five seconds, you know, for us when we capture something and it's genuine and it's relaxed and she can like let her shoulders go down her back. And she doesn't have to be, you know, in in the corporate world, something I've observed is that that expectation is for people to have very masculine, assertive, dominant energy, right? And there is totally a time and a place for that. And it's, it's sometimes needed to feel safe as a woman in the corporate world, you know? And so when I see this moment where a woman can just like relax and some of her softer energy and playful energy, and she knows we're not expecting her to do anything that someone else would have done. We just want her to do what she wants to do. Um, That moment of joy is just like incredible Mm. to watch. It's like a little spark of a miracle, you know, and Mm. watching people play more and saying, oh, I want to do this thing. I, you know, we had someone bring a bunch of toys to their, um, like little kids toys to their photo shoot, Mm -hmm. you know, and another person brought like a Barbie doll of someone they really admired. And, you know, these, these women who get this space to just like bring something that's meaningful and we help them show it through the photography and their faces are just so emotive and connected. It's just really, it just makes me so happy to be able to do this work and give people that moment to say, yes, this Barbie doll is of a hero I have, and I want to bring it into my professional photo shoot. And we're like, fuck yes, let's, let's work in the Barbie doll, you know? Yeah. Those are the moments that I really love to observe. Yeah, for me, it's, uh, I mean, definitely what Crystal talked about. As as Crystal said, a lot of our clients are women who are at very high levels in the corporate world. They have spent decades being, you know, like conforming to what society expects of them and being rewarded for that that conformity. Like they have, yeah. you know, put on yeah. the button-down suits and, uh, uh, and, you know, put off, you know, taken off the jewelry and like, uh, you know, the colorful stuff that they like. And this is particularly true of... Uh, my clients who are women of color who come from like mm. uh, various kinds of immigrant backgrounds or very colorful backgrounds. And uh, they've had to code switch all their lives or sometimes black women who've had to like straighten their hair all their lives. And now they're at a point where they're like, fuck all this. Like, I want to be more of myself, but I don't know how. I need some help with that. And watching like Crystal work with them and like as even during the session, kind of them discovering and you know being in that slightly uncomfortable part where they are kind of you know dipping their feet into like what they what they have lost about themselves or what they've been they are trying to rediscover about themselves and then reinventing that future identity that's so exciting to watch for me even that 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 unfurling that happens during the session and then there is the part after the session when they see their photos because there's a you know seeing photos is a very somatic process like when when you have presented with a photo whether of yourself or anyone else you don't really have the time to think about it like your brain 
kind of forms an impression within milliseconds Mm -hmm. and, you know, basically kind of bypasses your thinking brain and goes straight into your body. And so when you see a picture of yourself looking a certain way that, you know, you have always dreamed of and you're like, oh my God, I look good with my, my natural hair. I look good in this colorful clothes. Oh, and or I look like a speaker. I look like a coach. I look like a therapist, like that sort of thing. When that, when that happens, that's almost the best cure for imposter syndrome, because mm-hmm. then they're like, yeah, I can inhabit this new identity. And to me, that's a lifelong transformation for them. And that is think, the thing that brings me the most uh, sense of joy and purpose and meaning. Oh, I, okay. So if somebody isn't in a career where they are seeking out a photo shoot or need photos, who would you recommend outside from those who need them? Who would you recommend have this experience? Like, is there a person out there if they're listening and they're like, but I, Raj Crystal, like this sounds really cool, but like, I don't need photos. And I think a lot of us, you know, we talked a lot about conditioning and like the shoulds. I think a lot of us are programmed to like, don't spend money on things that you shouldn't, or like you don't need. And from everything that you're saying, and frankly, from my personal experiences as well, like, I think that this can be a very therapeutic and healing experience, regardless of what you need or don't need the photos for. And I'm wondering if you two could speak to kind of who could benefit from this and like, who would maybe, you know, is listening right now thinking like, is this for me? Like, I don't need them, but like, maybe I could call. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, while most of our clients use it, use the photos for their website and stuff, there's a client that uh, Crystal and I worked with, uh, I think at the end of last year or early this year. This woman, this is a woman who's uh, from India originally, and uh, she is a an executive in a in a well known tech company, very high level executive. And so when and when I first got on her on the phone with her or on a Zoom call with her, I expected that she wanted photos that you know were about building her brand and so on. But she was like, you know, I don't really need those. I have really good headshots. I like, and all of that is fine. But I've seen your work and I, and your approach. And you know, I I'm I'm an Indian woman. I'm a mom. I'm an executive, and I'm a wife, and all of that. And I feel like I sometimes lose myself. Like I don't, I sometimes forget who I am. And, mm. and that's one thing. And the second thing she said that made me very sad in the moment was that she said, I work out, I take care of myself, I eat well, you know, I'm very healthy and stuff. But sometimes I just can't look at myself in the mirror. Like, I just don't like it. I don't like what I see. And I want to, I want to address that. And so we did a photo shoot for her that was kind of a boudoir shoot but like you know she wasn't somebody who really would get sexy but it is more about exploring that side for her yeah uh and how how much she could push herself she wanted to and then crystal did an amazing job creating that safe space where she could explore without crossing her own boundaries and she you know got these photos she we had an amazing time we were very playful we just did whatever whatever came to mind and uh then we, she got the photos. She Those photos had never been shared with anybody. It was only for her. And like later on when I talked to her, she was just like, I have, you know, I look at those photos every you know, few weeks and I feel good about myself because it reminds me that, you know, I'm, this is something who I am regardless of all my roles outside my, my, the, that I perform in my life. 
I love this. Crystal, anything you want to add to that? Oh, I just like, that makes me want to choke up because that photo shoot was very special and um, we had so much fun. Um, But it just makes me so happy (laughs) that she said that. And um, yeah, like fuck needing anything if you want something and it's going to bring pleasure and you're going to enjoy it and you're going to have fun. And, you know, there's a, (laughs) to, to be such a millennial, uh, there's an episode of sex in the city where Samantha just gets, um, nude photo shoot because she says, when I'm 60 and my tits are in my shoes, I want to remember how I looked. (laughs) Yes. I remember that episode. I forgot that quote, but I do remember that episode. That's great. Yeah. So like, if you just want a photo shoot because you want to look at yourself being authentic and playful and you think it would be great. That's enough. Like do, do it cause you want it. And cause you think it'll be fun. And even if no one ever sees them, you know, it would be, yeah. we would be so happy to work with someone for that reason. Yeah. Beautiful. But also, you know, like you don't, you don't have to, you don't, you don't have to be, do a photo shoot just for documenting when you're young. Our oldest client, I think Crystal and I, like we, we worked with someone recently who's uh, 68. And that was a branding session for her, but it's basically about like expressing yourself where you are right now, because we have this whole idea and, you know, uh, women often get this message that after they have passed, you know, 40 or whatever, it's probably like, you know, quote unquote, whatever childbearing age is considered, you just kind of need to disappear. You become invisible because you're doing, you know, behind the scenes work as a mom, as a wife, as a whatever. But that shows up in everywhere else. Even at work, you're supposed to do all the behind the scenes work, but never really get the credit for it and and all of that. And you don't see a lot of, you know, TV shows or ads or whatever featuring women who are above 40 or or older in in positive, you know, uh, holistic ways. And so... You don't, but but that doesn't need to be the case. Like, you know, there is a lot that you have to offer at any age. And, you know, and and it's it's not just, I mean, physical, I, I think that that there is physical beauty in the in the transformation that age brings upon us, whether it's the wrinkles and the scars and so on, because it tells your life story. It tells a story of your experience and your wisdom and and the you know the gray hair and and the wrinkles and all of that. And I think we need to value that and we need to show the beauty in that. Uh, and I think that's uh, that's something that uh, that we are both very passionate about. Raj, good job being pro aging, even in <laughs> even in the wake of my Kim Cattrall quote. <laughs> I love it, and I think that both this is an and, right? You know, yeah. I think that if you're listening to this episode and you're 21, like, do I wish that at 21 I had done a boudoir shoot? Hell yeah, because I I remember thinking to myself, "Ugh, I look like this. Ugh, my hips this. Ugh, that." And I see, you know, like these random photos from the end of college, and I'm like, ha. <laughs> I thought that when I was that, you know, and it's, it's so, um, helpful for perspective. And so, you know, whether you're 21 listening to this or you're 34 or you're 79, like take pictures of yourself, like remember what you looked like. And that's a beautiful gift that you can give yourself. I, I just think it's great. So we're about to wrap, which whatever we could talk for a lot longer. Um, so I want to ask two more things and you can kind of choose if you want to answer these separately or if you want to integrate them, but this question's for both of you. So the first thing is things that people can do today 
to feel more comfortable in this way or on camera. And then the second thing is anything else that you want to leave everyone listening with. So if those intersect, great. If they don't, take it as two. Well, Crystal, you want to address the first one? Things that yeah. people can do? Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, as like a, an action item, before you take a picture of yourself, you know, we can take so many on rapid fire on our phones, but before you take one, maybe have a moment of presence and just say, you know, why am I, why am I using this lighting? Why am I doing this? Am I trying to hide something? Am I trying to emphasize something else? And just see if that answer feels good to you. You know, maybe just pausing and saying, am I upholding something that doesn't feel good to me? Or am I showing vulnerability? Am I showing uh, something I want someone to know, you know, and just bringing mindfulness into um, creating media of yourself. And, you know, you can always use your horse lips to relax your face. Um, and yeah, I would just say, be kind with yourself <laughs> through taking pictures and have grace um, that if it isn't Instagram perfect and uh, you feel like you want to Im immediately add a filter or something like that. Mm. Maybe just pausing for a minute and saying, you know, what is forcing me to do this? And do I ascribe to the value that is leading me to add a filter? Is that something that lands within my value system? You know, because am I adding a filter because I want to look perfect? Is perfectionism part of my values? Okay, why am I choosing this? You know, and even if we still yes. choose the filter, I add filters all the time, you know, and but just bringing mindfulness into it. And maybe there will come a point where you're like, you know what, fuck the filter. And I'm behaving outside of my values by constantly editing the crap out of all my photos or only posing in one way or whatever like that. But just bringing some mindfulness into it until, you know, if and until we hopefully work with you and then we'll continue that work with you. Love that. Yeah. And my Love answer that. to that question, the first one is, uh, I want to give one concrete posing tip. and. That is my favorite posing tip that I think is the best posing tip out there, which is breathe. Mm. Why? Because whenever you see, now you're going to see this everywhere. Whenever you see photos of people looking awkward or quote unquote posed, you're going to see two things. One is that their shoulders are probably tight and two, their lips are probably tight. So we have this, I have this breathing technique that I teach each and every one of my clients, which is breathe through the nose, exhale through, through your mouth, keeping your lips loose. Mm. And as you're doing that, as you're exhaling, relax your shoulders. Just do that right before any time a camera is pointed at you, whether it's a friend's phone or a selfie or a professional camera, and that alone will take your photos up a notch. I love this. Oh gosh. I just, I'm like, I'm really excited about everyone listening to this episode because I think that on the surface, just hearing like, you know, kind of these headlines of like five tips to feel more comfortable on camera. Like it doesn't, it, it just doesn't have the depth, even if the chunk of that article or that interview, whatever has the depth. And this was so deep. And, um, I mean, I wouldn't have it any, 
the other way on the <laughs> Of course. That's why I, you yeah. want to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just so, so, so appreciate the uh, angle and the experience and the skill set that you bring to this. And frankly, I want to book with you guys now. I'm like, I'm due for, for a sensual shoot. And mm. I think that that would feel really yummy. So maybe, maybe we'll do that when we hang up. Yeah, yeah do it. Where can folks find you if they want to reach out, ask questions, book in, learn more, et cetera? So I am on Instagram at Series A Photography, also on LinkedIn under my name. Uh, those are my kind of social media uh, channels. And then uh, my website is SeriesAPhotography.com. You can fill out the contact form there. Also, you can email me. I'm just Raj at SeriesAPhotography.com. Perfect. And Crystal? For me, they can also find me on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, my website is yourbodyyourstory.net. And same thing, contact form or crystal at yourbodyyourstory.net. Amazing. Thank you both so much for your time. And friends, I hope that you gained value out of this episode. And as usual, if you have follow-up questions, please feel free to reach out to me, to Crystal, to Raj, or tag us on your social media, um, whatever it is. We'll see you soon. That's all for today, you sexy folks. What questions came to mind as you were listening? Continue the conversation with me over on Instagram at the right underscore Rachel. And don't forget, please leave a rating and a review so that we can continue erasing shame and stigma together.